now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with PressBox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at StanTheFan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. Very pleasant good morning to each and every one of you on this Saturday, March the 16th, live from the live casino and hotel studios. The battle round is on the air. Stand the fan, Craig Heist. And uh, Craig, I apologize. I gave you no warning that this would be here today. I mean, I know you come in and you are always got a smile on your face right. to see... Brittany Everett. Exactly. And now you see Kyle and, and And I also, and now there's another thing to have to consider, yes. and that's whether or not Brittany Everett's mother right. is actually seeing the show on online because she, you know, she. she trust me, she only she's watches. Probably a Brittany. little less invested, right. I would guess. So my, my, I'm thinking, you know, but if you're well, out no, there, she mom. Could adopt, she could adopt uh, Kyle. I don't know. She wouldn't want to do that. paperwork. I don't know. <laughs> she, just that's, do. that's too much paperwork that to is, have to deal with. That's a lot of paperwork. All right. Welcome aboard, and as I mentioned, we are in the live Casino Hotel studios, uh, and we'll be here for the next two hours talking some baseball as we uh, sort of creep, then walk, and then it's like a skateboard our way to opening day. And first of all, uh, let me give you the guest list. Ed Matz from ESPN.com, my cousin, is on to talk about a, a column that he wrote for the website the other day where he thinks the Nats have a chance to be better uh, without uh, Bryce Harper. Um, he will join us at uh, 1020. 1045 from the Tampa Tribune, Doug Fernandez, who is a columnist down there in the Tampa... Uh, St. Pete. with the Sarasota. It's the Sarasota yeah, paper. Yeah. I'm sorry. So yeah. which paper is it? The Sarasota Herald Tribune? That's right. Okay. I apologize. I apologize to Doug. He also did not get that job at Forbes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the Sarasota Herald Tribune's Doug Fernandez, we will chat with him about his perception about what's different between this Oriole team and the one that's uh, been down in Sarasota the last seven years or so. Uh, Adam Gladstone is going to join us at 11.05. Adam, uh, former co-host of the show, we were trying to figure out what he was but he was what he is. <laughs> he was the one who got out of prison uh, a couple of years ago. Anyway, uh, he used to host the show. He's also a minor league umpire, minor league baseball executive. Uh, he is assistant general manager to Team Israel. He still is, and he's also um, the Orioles' uh, former video assist uh, person under Buck Showalter the first year, 2014, that that came out. Uh, Adam Gladstone will join us to talk about the Atlantic League and some of those rule changes that they're going to be experimenting with this season. And finally, at 11.35, Todd Karpovich will join us. Todd is our O's beat writer, and we'll start to look at uh, some roster decisions the team has had to make. Um, but first things first, Kyle, you mentioned that uh, you're in a fantasy baseball league, Indeed. and you've got the first pick in a draft league, correct? I, I do, which... As far as I'm concerned, in, in Major League Baseball, is probably more so than, I guess, basketball. LeBron James is pretty much cut and dry. But right. I guess it's just Mike Trout and forget about it at the end of the day. You could consider Mookie Betts if you really wanted to try to get into analytics. But I think you're kind of outsmarting yourself. Go get the guy who could be 
become the best baseball player we've ever seen. Yeah. And just plug him in. All right. It's interesting. The AL, are you familiar with these these expert leagues, the AL yeah, Tout, there's Tout like League? Only one league or kind of. You know, well, the AL Tout League, they're doing their draft right now. And theirs is an auction. I'm sorry. Uh, take a guess what Jonathan VR went for. And I'm talking about Trout went for 51, Betts went for, I think, 46, Lindor went for 24 because of the injury. Um, you know, Ramirez Trout. went for 38. Trout went for, and what's your overall budget? 260. 260. I would say Trout went for at least. No, 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 not what Trout went for. What did VR go for? Oh, man. Trout went for 51. So then VR went for 22? 28. That's one of the highest priced. Uh, at, to Steals, give you an example, right. Machado would go for 33 34 last year, I think. Uh, VR at 28, it's interesting, and he has a chance. If he steals 40-plus bases sure. and hits 15 home runs and knocks in 60 runs and hits 260, he's well worth that. I mean, know? steals are at a premium yeah. in, in baseball, especially these days with analytics telling you to do it less and less. So right. if you can find guys who have the green light, then... Stands right. the reason they should produce. All right. Well, my my auction is a week from uh, Sunday. Just made a trade last night with Scott Garcelle, who was out at the Big Ten Championship. I traded him a number one pitching prospect who is on the shelf right now, Tristan McKenzie. Okay. You know who he is? Which team? Cleveland. I am not familiar. Yeah. They have a good Six system, five, though. 6'5", African-American kid, weighs 165 pounds. So he is their number one pitching prospect. Projectable would be yeah. a good way to describe so it. So I traded him because uh, Scott had too many keepers, and I got Nico Gudrin for $5, who hits 14, 15 home runs, steals 12 or 13 bases, and knocks in 60 runs. He's a good, solid player, plays multiple positions. So, my biggest What do you think of that, Craig? I'm not into fantasy baseball, mm-hmm. that's all. all but right. you can understand. Are you into sexual fantasies? <laughs> you know, it took all of 10 minutes yeah. in this show for him to throw it right in the like gutter. Six, six minutes and 35 seconds. Yeah, as opposed to how long does it usually take me? <laughs> <laughs> a little, little, little <laughs> less than that. All right. Anyway, what's uh, what's going on with you, Heisty? Uh, nothing other than uh, just a lot of work down in D.C., and uh, we... With the Wizards game last night, we'll be at the Wizards game today, and after the show, we'll be uh, heading home, do a few things, and then get down to the Wizards games tonight. They Who are they playing tonight? They got Memphis tonight, and uh, still three and a half games out of that final uh, playoff spot, but uh, last night's game was a crusher for them because uh, one of those teams they have to jump over beat them, uh, Charlotte. Beat them, Charlotte, the Hornets, and uh, it's always been a matchup problem. Charlotte's won three of the four games this year, mm. and the game that they did win at home, uh, Kemba Walker had 47 in that game. He had 28 last night. Beal went for 40, didn't get a whole lot of help. Jeff Green, but again, the Wizards' problem last night, the turnover, 17 turnovers leads to 27 points. Familiar storyline. Yes, it is. Yes, it it is. is. Yes, it is. All right. Um, (laughs) On the college hardwood Mm -hmm. and the uh, pro hardwood. Uh, Speaking of college hardwood, we just want to remind our listening audience and viewing audience, and by the way, if you have joined us on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash pressboxsports, please like and share us. And I really need your help this week, both you guys 
and our audience out there to please like and share the show. It's already been because done. Because an idiot like me forgot his laptop. Does that mean I'm I have so, to do it twice? Yeah. Could okay. you do it twice? Yeah, sure. Or could I sign one? And anyway. Yeah. Anyway, uh, your thoughts on, before we get back to baseball, your thoughts on the University of Maryland and um, the uh, outrage uh, over losing to Nebraska. Well, considering Nebraska turned around and took uh, uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin right down to the wire last night and lost by four, uh, you can spin it that way. You can also spin it from the fact that Maryland just wasn't ready to play the game. This is a team that played the night before. They've got six scholarship players. They, they run seven at any one given time. And, uh, again, they just they failed to, to, to run their offense through Bruno and Sticks. And I understand that Bruno gets double teamed, but you, you have to make adjustments for that. There were no adjustments to that. And, uh, you know, it's the same turnover, turnover issue for them. I guess they had close to 10 in the first half. So that was, that was a, a major problem for Mark Turgeon. But, you know, he's got to find a way to get these kids motivated. And I understand that some of them, you know, a good portion of them are freshmen. But at this point in the year, you can't necessarily be using that as an excuse anymore. Uh, you know, and but all these people that were online the day of them getting beat and the day after them getting beat, saying that they don't belong in the NCAA tournament, is ludicrous. I mean, just stop it. You're being stupid at this point. They they win 22 games. They win 13 games in the conference. They were over 500 on the road, uh, on in the conference. So just just stop all that talk. Now, if you want to blame Mark Turgeon for things. You can start, there's enough blame there to go around. And yeah. if you want to talk about where they belong in the yeah, tournament, well, no, but, that's another but, question. But yeah. that's fine. But they're, yeah. they're, they're going to be. I don't think they're game. going to be no worse in a six seed. It, that's true. But they've played themselves out of. They were looking like a potential at the ceiling of a three seed, right? And right. now there's okay. Yeah. So it's in all in perspective. But again, once you get to the tournament, it's who you get matched up against and what. But teams now they're going to be right. facing. It's not going to be a mid-major small school. They're going to be playing probably an at-large. Team, so Could it's be. going to be interesting. I think it's Lunardi had him playing the winner of the uh, NC State Florida game, which is you know, so yeah. it'll be they'll be tested. But that's not a game we know no. that actually is going to take place. But that's what he's projecting. Um, but it, it obviously could have been better. Uh, you wanted to at least get to that next round. Uh, whatever happens in the Wisconsin game happens. But uh, again, this was a team that to me just wasn't ready. To play, and a couple of weeks ago we were talking about this, and against Penn State, and up there where they haven't won in three to- straight times. Right. And at some point, if you're Mark Turgeon, you have to tell these kids, look, don't take this game lightly. I think a lot of that could be said for this Nebraska game, uh, but but again, okay. it's a matter of a young team not knowing when to. Turn the turn the gas on. But t- taking and this is the bat around, and we will get to baseball in, in a moment. Don't worry. We, we, last week with playing. Johnny Holiday, the first ten uh, minutes of st- basketball. Too. <laughs> um, but let's talk about one thing, one aspect of Mark Turgeon's coaching. We we agree that he's a good recruit, solid recruiter. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the greatest, but a solid. Certainly much better than Gary at recruiting the talent. Defensively, I think his teams play fairly hard. It's offensively. I, I look at the, the number of turnovers that this team has, and this is a former point guard mm-hmm. as your head coach, and I think it comes from the fact that there really is so much tentativeness 
based on the fact that they don't really know what they're supposed to do offensively. There's yeah. ab- literally no system. Uh, that's a good word for it. Yeah. There's just no system. And I've been saying it for three or four years. For three or four years. When Bobby Knight, at a key point in his career, he brought in that guy, Norm Ellenberger, who had been sort of uh, fired at New Mexico State as sort of an offensive guru on his team. Mark Turgeon's got to, if he wants to stay at Maryland, in my opinion, he's got to make a commitment to bringing in a young, innovative offensive mind. Whatever he decides to do, he's got to come up with something that, I mean, well, this year is going to be the end of it because uh, Bruno's going to walk out. Yeah, Bruno's going to go. And it's possibly, possibly Possibly sticks. He'll test at least test the waters. (laughs) Yeah. So if he doesn't go, then next year will be his final year. Right. Right. Well, you got to, yeah, but he, who, but that's the way. Where's he going? Who? I mean, my my point to that is, where's he going? The 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 school is so far behind in terms of what happened to them with the scandal last year, right? And the money that they had to spend to buy people out. I don't think Turgeon's going anywhere. Oh, no, yeah, no, no, I, doubt, no, no. I would doubt that he's going Glenn, anywhere. Glenn, we talked to him yesterday. He reported yesterday that he's not on the hot seat. No, yeah, I, I don't. Right. I don't think he said. What's his contract though? Is he, he have three more years? More than that. And, and like I heard you guys on. With, and I heard you guys on with John Feinstein yesterday. And you know, I'm I'm in John's camp, and trust me, I'm very rarely in John's camp. I, I think he's a good coach. I I, I, I do. I, I really do. It. I don't see it. But again, something's got to change. There's a disconnect going on between. Some of these guys, and I've heard that there's some internal strife between some of the players and Callen. I've heard that. I don't know how true it is. I'm not around the program that much to be able to tell. Callen's three-point shooting has been a problem. Well, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I well, was, well, what, in your opinion, seriously, this is not something I've come to after watching Mark Turgeon for two years. We've watched him for eight years now. And I understand basket, college basketball at the Division One level, high Division One. It's a lot of one and done, so you got got a lot of new pieces every year. When you say he's a good coach, what do you see that he's a good coach? I see him having a team, and he, his teams in the past have done this. Right. Been able to, after tough stretches or tough loss, rebound, come right back, play well, get another right. win the, the, you know, the next time out. Now, obviously, this year there's been two two games, this Nebraska game and this tournament, and also the Penn State game. The Penn State game, I knew, right, was, was going to be an issue. Yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, and again, there's a, to me, there's some kind of a disconnect here. And I think yeah. more so this year, and again, everybody says, well, they're young, but that only carries so much weight as the season goes on. I think the issue is that the teams continue to not have, by March – they're not playing their best. Right, you know? yeah. And so you get to the tournament, and the confidence level is it's, justifiably it's, it's one of the low. the key things. They, they seem to come into the tournament at, at a low ebb for their confidence, right. and it should be the opposite way. I'm just telling you, whether he's on the hot seat or not, something's got to change down there, and the change they need is for him to sort of give up the offensive. Look, John Harbaugh, I know it's a different game, but John Harbaugh – doesn't doesn't care to call the plays, you know. He's got to get get an offensive mind in there to create an offensive system, and you'll see the turnovers all but evaporate. I think there's something to be said. UNC, I, I think Roy Williams was always compared to the style that Turgeon maybe was trying to be. Right. Like you recruit right. the best players, go out and let them play, and they'll win, right? I don't know if that always works. I mean, ultimately, it doesn't. And then 
UNC has played beautiful basketball this year. They have played a they've had a great really season. their passing great has been season. impeccable. Like I, I had to reevaluate what I thought of Roy Williams as a coach based on how well that team has played. So. I don't know. He does have to improve in game. All right. Speaking of basketball, I meant to uh, 10 minutes ago remind our viewers out there that are watching uh, as we're live in the live casino hotel studios that UMBC is playing Vermont in about 40 minutes. 11 11 o'clock. And it's on ESPN2. You can watch us on Facebook and turn your TV on. And keep the sound down on the TV and keep it live in the live casino hotel studio. By the way, last week yes. I, had, I had Johnny Holiday on. Yes. And we talked a little Maryland basketball, but we also talked about, you know, the story you were telling me about in, with the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Uh, he was the PA announcer. He was the PA announcer. Sunday after Kennedy was shot right. in Cleveland. Right. And they had the Dallas Cowboys coming. And uh, no matter, he, he explained that. He said, they, you know, Art Modell came to him and said, do you think you can do this without mentioning the name Dallas? Right. You so know, it was and the he, Cowboys. And, and, yeah, it was Cowboys the whole time. And he did. Yeah. And, he, you know. He's it's such a weird con- that he's got that type of connection yeah. with Art. Well, yeah, and he, says, he said, I, I, I said, yeah, I, I can. I, I guess I can. Yeah. And Art said, sure you can. <laughs> <laughs> you remember uh, Mike March? Oh, yeah. Mike March was a disc jockey at one W-I-B-R. time. In, in Cleveland, though. Mm-hmm. And he knew Art Modell uh, very well. Okay. Very well. In fact, Mike was a very popular DJ. Uh, may have been the same station Johnny Holiday was at, for all I know, because they were both rock DJs. Mm-hmm. And Mike March got fired and he was leaving, and there was a hotel bar. They were in a hotel that I think Art Modell owned or something, mm-hmm. the radio station. And Modell offered to call his bosses and get him back on the air. <laughs> and Mike said, that's okay. Don't worry about it. Uh, we're going to make our connection with Eddie Matz and turn our attention to baseball. <laughs> Which uh, is really what we should be doing. Yes, <laughs> we should have been doing it on the bat around. It's not called the dribble around. Um Baseball starts, like, in two days, right? Three days? Uh, yes, with the uh, Japan series. When uh, is that? Tuesday night? Uh, I believe it's Tuesday, Wednesday. Okay. It's two games I think it's two in games. Japan Seattle. and Seattle and Oakland. Seattle right. and Oakland, yeah. All right. All and right. those games will count. Yes, they will count. And then they'll come back and finish out spring training and then get into the regular That's season. exactly right. All right. Joining us right now is my cousin and a very fine uh, writer columnist, whatever you want to call him, with ESPN.com, and that is Ed Matz. Eddie, how are you? What's up, guys? How you doing? And we've called you so many things down through the years. <laughs> Which do you prefer? How are you? Which do you prefer, by the way, Ed or Eddie? Either one is fine, as long as you don't just, just call me. I don't care what you call me. All right. Well, we're calling you today to talk a little bit about a column you wrote that Craig Heiss pointed out to me, uh, where you said what I, I think some people are hoping, uh, others think is impossible, but that somehow you think through this uh, travail of losing Bryce Harper that the Nats are going to be just fine and maybe even better. Yeah, I, I was never concerned with the prospect of them not having him. I think he, you know, he brings value, especially offensively. Mm-hmm. But you know we've seen, especially last year, so inconsistent and you know he's going great. He can carry them, but the, it's, it's a roller coaster ride with him. And defensively, he was he was not good last year. You know he, he talks it up to playing some games in center, but even if you look at his right field numbers, they weren't good. And the eye test to me didn't look good either. Who knows? Maybe he was just protecting himself because he didn't want to get hurt in his pre-agency year. 
can't fault him for that. But even even his best, like he's got that great arm, but I never thought he was great defensively. The right. numbers have kind of borne that out long term. So he's definitely it's definitely going to be a defensive upgrade in right field because Adam Eaton is the guy who's going to step in there. And last time he played right field full time, he was one of the best in, in baseball, like crazy good, like saved on something like twenty two defensive runs saved with the White Sox. Offensively. Yeah, he's a big bat in the middle of the lineup, and you got to be careful around him. But they've got so much firepower there. Juan Soto kind of takes over the the marquee role in the middle of the lineup, and you got so many big bats in there. You got Rendon, and you got Trey Turner, and Adam Eaton, and they added Brian Dozier. So, at a minimum, I think they're going to be just as potent without him. And if you factor in the defense, I think they'll be better without him. Eddie, let me ask you this though: uh, He lose. I mean, they lose him to Philadelphia, but then yesterday or the day before, Michael A. Taylor tries to make a diving catch in right center field. MRI yesterday shows that he's got a sprained knee and a sprained hip. And never heard of that combination Dave, before. Uh, no, but Dave Martinez says he expects uh, Taylor to miss a significant amount of time. That said, what was? Uh, a team that had a considerable amount of depth at the outfield position, all of a sudden, uh, that depth has been shrunk considerably. How, how do you think they handle that going forward with the season coming up in a couple of weeks? Yeah, it's tough. And Howie Kendrick is already hurt, and Kendrick's a guy that can play infield and outfield. So now you're basically down. Those, those are the two guys who are probably right. your fourth and fifth outfielders right there. So it's not good. Uh and, you know, back to Harper, like, even if Harper's here and you lose Kendrick and Taylor, you're still in trouble. Right. But that doesn't really change that. But, yeah, it really puts them in a tough spot. It looks like Wilmer Defoe is going to take on the role that Howie Kendrick was going to have. He's going to play a lot of infield and a lot of outfield, probably more outfield now than he would have. I think I saw he start in center field today for their, their spring training game. Right. Um, so he's going to get a lot more time out there. A guy like Andrew Stevenson, who probably would not have broken north with the club if things were normal, might end up being the fifth outfielder. So they've got some depth that they can handle it. They're not going to be as effective as Taylor and Kendrick would have been. But maybe they need to sign somebody, whether it's like a who's out there, like a Matt Joyce or a. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you who's. I'll tell you who's out there, and I was just jotting it down. I did this last night on Masson. Austin Jackson's available. Denard Span's available. Carlos Gonzalez is available. Do any of those float your boat? Yeah, I mean, you know, for, for a depth guy, a veteran who can come in and do what's needed, especially, you know, Stan was with them. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. He, he was well-liked around around the clubhouse, good teammate. Uh, so at this point, you're just looking for somebody who can plug a hole and, and fill a gap until those other guys are ready. So, yeah, I, I could see that making sense. Eddie, back to Harper, I, you know, and I've made this comment a couple times uh, over the last few weeks, uh, even before he was signed. I said, you know, and I'm in your camp with this. I, you know, I said, is, are they a better team with him? I think maybe. I said, but are they, you know, as opposed to without him? And I said, I, I think with what Mike Rizzo did in the offseason, uh, by not letting those negotiations hold him hostage, I think he did a hell of a job putting this team together. Yeah, there's no doubt. They were extremely active in the offseason, and they addressed basically all the needs that they had. Um, but one thing about Harper that I, we didn't talk about yet is the off-the-field thing. And to me, it's so hard to put a finger on it. It's so hard to describe 
Craig, you know it because you're in the clubhouse a lot. It, there's something. There's always just something weird about that clubhouse when Harper was there. It was always. It wasn't like a 24 guys and one guy kind of thing, but it, it didn't seem completely uh, harmonious, for a lack of a better word. It was just. It was just always weird, and so. This spring, when I when I've spent time down there, it, it just feels different. It feels more cohesive. It feels like everyone's kind of on the same level again, for lack of a better word. And who knows if that stuff actually translates in the wing column? I would like to think that it does in, in some way, um, but it just seems like there was always like this cloud hanging over the clubhouse because it was like we were all in there waiting to talk to Harper if he showed up. And it's not like the other players were pissed off about that or said something about it, but it just—it was always weird. And so it, things just seem, like I said, more cohesive right now. It just seems like there's a better energy in that clubhouse, and, and it'll be interesting to see whether that matters. And I think that's one of the reasons why you kind of take the stance that, yeah, they're probably going to be better off without him. Yeah. That'll be, you know, what's going to be fascinating is when they come to town, when Philly comes to town, which is the first week of the season. Right. Uh, that's going to be just fantastic theater to see how the Nationals fans respond, to see how Harper responds. He'll probably face Scherzer, I think, the way it's lining up. So it's, I can't wait to see that. Does anybody know yesterday, I don't know if you're aware, Eddie, but uh, Bryce Harper took a 96-mile-an-hour fastball off of like sort of the heel of his foot. Uh, do we know anything about that? Anything more? X-ray, yeah. X-rays were negative. I know that. Yeah, I think I saw this morning. Kapler's not really expe- expecting to miss any legitimate time. I think it's just kind of day to day right now. All right. Um, before we let you go, we know you got to tell us a little bit about the uh, basketball game you, you're coaching in uh, in about forty five minutes. Oh yeah, big time national broadcast on ESPN seven. ESPN seven. I'm outside in my wife's car right now. We are at the Meadowbrook Athletic Complex uh, in Howard County. Uh, it is a I don't even know the name of the tournament. It's like the Howard County Elite March Madness tournament. So my my youngest Jonah is playing on uh, our team that's competing here. He's on the Pikesville Panthers. Ooh, and they the won Panthers. their first game, and now they've got another game coming up in a little bit. So, All right. Well, before yeah. we let you go to that, let's chat for just a couple of minutes about the Nats offseason. Uh, if you were grading, uh, you know, Mike Rizzo, uh, would it be A, B, C+, plus, uh, you know, B-, minus, B plus? Where, where would you grade uh, the general manager? I would say B. B plus. The only thing that keeps him from getting an A or an A plus is the bullpen, and it's hard to say if this is on him or if this is on ownership for just not wanting to spend the money. But Craig Kimbrell's obviously still out there, and that's a guy that if they get him, it makes them. It just they're already okay in the bullpen, and Doolittle's strong at the back end. But if you get Kimbrell to pair with Doolittle, and then it pushes everybody down or wrong, and it makes them deeper. He's not coming cheap, but it would have been nice to see them. You know, they got Trevor Rosenthal, which is fine. They got Kyle Bearclaw, that's fine. Those are all very good ads. And they added Tony okay. Sipp. Yeah, they added Tony Sipp. Yeah, Sipp-Yo. Tony Sipp. And so, but you get a guy like Kimbrell. You know, it's, for all of Rizzo's strengths as a GM, and I think he does a fantastic job, the one thing that he consistently doesn't seem to value, at least as far as free agency is concerned, is the bullpen. Because he, he stacks up everywhere else and just, he just kind of thinks, oh, I'll add those these little one-year deals, those guys, and then if I need to do anything come July, I'll do it at the trade deadline. And to his credit, they do, right? That's how they got Doolittle in the first place. 
Um, but they've always kind of just left the, the bullpen piece, especially at the back end. That's kind of like the, the thing that doesn't really get the attention that, that all the other parts of their team does. That's hard. You're trying to build a, ro- a roster. You only have so much money. Um, yeah, but they let they didn't play for Jansen or Chapman or Melanson a couple of years ago when those guys left. And so it would have been it would have been nice to see them make a big splash there. So yeah, B plus, I say. Because right. everywhere else, they had, he had a punch list and he basically knocked it out one you know one after the next. Getting Corbin was great. The catchers, great additions, Jan Gomes, Kurt Suzuki. Uh, but if you get Kimbrel, A plus. What kind of season are you expecting out of Brian Dozier? Do you think he's a good candidate for a bounce back season? Great question. I feel like it wouldn't surprise me to see him go either way. Yeah. It also wouldn't surprise me to see, well, it's definitely now that Kendrick is, is it, I was going to say, it wouldn't surprise me to see him kind of continue to go in the tank and then have him not even be the guy, like the starter by the season's end, whether it's a Kendrick or a Wilmer Depot or even Carter Keboom, depending on how things go for him because he's one of their top prospects. Um, but I think you're going to see what you what you've seen from him, which is you know kind of a low average guy, gives you power, gives you pop, um, can run a little bit, plays decent defense. I think that's the, the big thing is, is the defensive upgrade, right? Because Daniel Murphy, for all he gives the plate, right, is a really good defender. Dozier is, is going to be a big upgrade there as long as he can uh, give them production offensively. All right. Well, listen, I really appreciate your fitting us in between games. Go Pikesville Panthers. All right. All right, guys. Take care. Thank you, Ed. I'll talk to you soon. Give my best to Whit and the kids. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah, the Pikesville Panthers going into Howard County to play a tournament. Yeah. So heavy travel. Yeah. Heavy travel. Heavy-duty travel. We appreciate Eddie uh, jumping in. Let's pay uh, a couple bills. Does that sound okay? Then we'll come back and we got a little. Let's we'll get into a little O's talk. You can pay some of mine. I already pay Kyle, eh. some of Kyle's. Eh. All right. Anyway, uh, let's tell some folks about the Costas Inn. All right, Costas Inn and, uh, you know, March Madness, it's here. Yeah. So anyone of their, one, two, three, four, five, probably eight plasma TVs in the place. Is that all they have? Yeah, we'll, we'll have plenty of march madness yeah. going on yeah but the food is the best they're having a big event aren't they with the with the fan yeah uh i'll, I'll give them a Jer- plug. jeremy uh, jeremy Khan Khan will be there. over there on uh is it thursday next I, thursday i think it's next thursday yeah all right yeah oh, for well. the uh for the opening of the tournament and uh so we'll, thursday night is usually lobster night do you think it'll still be lobster oh, night? i'm sure it will be all right i'm well, sure it will be but the crab cakes on monday Ribs on Tuesday, steak on Wednesday. Right. I got the whole schmear down now. You do. Well, Lobster. then why don't you do the spot? Well, Friday, I need your help. The energy. The energy. Yeah. Friday is uh, Pete's like sort of miscellaneous specials. There's specials all all the time on the menu. Yeah, yeah. and they're all special out yeah, there. Yeah, they really are. So whether it's crabs, crab cakes, or steaks and ribs and, and lobster, uh, the Costas in 4100 North Point Boulevard is the place for you. Maryland, it's the craziest time of year for college basketball. So don't miss a minute of the madness. Fridays through Sundays in March, watch your favorite teams compete for a spot in the championship on 74 feet of HD LED screens in the Sportsbook and Sports Bar at Laurel Park. With food and drink specials during games and thrilling live thoroughbred racing Friday through Sunday, there's no better place to indulge in the madness. 
Visit Facebook.com slash Laurel Park for details. We'll see you there. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Stan the Fan Charles sits down with new Orioles general manager Mike Elias to discuss the plan for guiding the franchise back to prominence. Plus, Hopkins legend Paul Rabel details his vision for how the PLL can be a game changer for pro lacrosse. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. One-third of crash fatalities in Maryland are due to impaired driving. Don't be a statistic. Be legendary. What does it mean to be legendary? It means always making a plan to choose a sober driver or be one. Never drinking then getting behind the wheel. Making sure to get a ride for yourself and your friends if needed. Always speaking up and taking the keys from an impaired driver. Remember, sober drivers save lives. This safety message is brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation. Visit BeLegendaryMD.com Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square is very, very popular, as you've undoubtedly noticed if you've been there recently. Want to skip the lines completely? Download the Chick-fil-A app, and your food will be ready when you get there, but not a minute sooner. Your hot, fresh waffle fries, fresh, never-frozen chicken, and ice-cold drinks will be delivered to you when you get there. They'll bring it out to your car, or you can come in and get it without standing in line. Plus, ordering through the Chick-fil-A app earns you reward points that will add up to free stuff. And the app remembers what you like. So if you like extra pickles, then the app remembers. If you prefer less ice in your drink, the app remembers. Anytime you customize your order, the Chick-fil-A app will file it away and remember for your next visit. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard. If you need help downloading the app, ask the Nottingham Square store owner, Steve. Steve can do anything. Chick-fil-A, get the app, skip the lines. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. This is former Trump AJ Francis just here to let you know that I am a huge wrestling fan. I know you are too. And there's a lot of stupid idiots out there that ruin the wrestling podcast experience for everyone else. Hey, Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. I don't understand why people would ever cheer for Roman Reigns. He's awful. I'm sick of it. Boo! Boo Roman Reigns! Never wrestled for Ring of Honor. Never wrestled for PWG. Never wrestled Uh, in Japan. He is no Kenny Omega. Too sweet me, bro. I hate both of you. And this is why I keep stupid idiots like you on my list. This is your boy Y2AJ here to save you. Find Jobbing Out, the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com on SoundCloud or iTunes. And we are back on the Battle Round. Stan the Fan and Craig Heiston. We're broadcasting uh, in the live studio, the live casino host uh, hotel studios uh, as we do every, uh, every day, right? Seven days a week. Indeed. Yeah. And Kyle, are you working seven days a week the next six days? Six the, weeks? The next, like, four weeks, three weeks? Yeah. Something like that? Wow. Yeah. So the Brittany week. is not going to be here next week or the week after yeah. that. All of a sudden, somebody's yeah, going to be calling in sick. Yeah. Hey. Next I mean, week, like, I prediction, Craig Heist. Oh, I really, uh, I got a cold. I got a Caps game tonight. Well, trust me, that wouldn't be because of Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but okay. <laughs> Who would it be because of? <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, we, we've gone 40 minutes. We haven't talked uh, much about the O's. They announced an opening day pitcher uh-huh. for uh, Yankee Stadium on March 28th. Going up against Masahiro Tanaka yeah, will be you know, uh, Alex Cobb. Alex Cobb. But all of a sudden, the Yankees, uh, you know, they're, they're not going to have Sabathia ready for the start of the season. Right. Severino's, Severino's going to be out at least a month. A month, yeah. A month. So all of a sudden, uh, that pitching staff, I mean, nobody's going to question their offense, I don't think, but their, their pitching staff, their starters, quite in flux for the first part of the season. Would they be a good fit for uh, now? Now, I, I will tell you, though, that they have Domingo German mm-hmm. pitched four shutout innings last night, the night before, Luis Sessa, four shutout innings. But would they be an interesting team for, say, a Gio Gonzalez? Uh, I think no, no question about it. Just because, well, in that ballpark too, yeah, I think Gio would pitching. would would be okay. And uh, you know, you 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 know, Gio's a serviceable left-hander. You, you know, have trouble getting him deep in the games, but you know, you look at what Jeremy Hellickson does for the Nationals yeah. now. Yeah. And you know, the other day he started uh, against the Mets, and you're looking For at seventy-one pitches and five innings, five innings and five strikeouts, gave up yep. two runs, one of them which was unearned, but. Uh, you know, all of a sudden, you know, and again, his splits between the National League and the American League, oh, unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. 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 It might have been interesting if somebody pointed that out but to Dan you, Duquette before they acquired him. You were down in Sarasota for yes, a week. Yes, I was. What did you see, or what was the most impressive thing that you saw with this young team that Brandon Hyde's trying to put together? You know, I will tell you, it was a little reminiscent. Of and I, and I've I've written this and I've compared it verbally. The, remember the the teams that Johnny Oates when he took over, they had Brady Anderson, they had yeah, Chris Wills, they had Devereaux, in, they had Messina. Ninety one and yeah, you know, yeah. When they got good, and they were they got to be a pretty good team by like ninety three. Right. Okay? Well, they were they were right there but, chasing the Blue Jays but, down. But they had some attitudinal guys in that clubhouse. That they thought their, you know what didn't. And I said this to you last Saturday, yeah. as a matter of fact, that their, you know what didn't stink, and they had never won anything that warranted that kind of attitude. I picked up over these past six or seven years. The more Adam got ingrained, the more that Machado got ingrained. I didn't find that clubhouse to be a pleasant experience uh, over the last two years. Okay, uh, when things went south. And again, what I find most refreshing, and you know me, Craig, I'm not a in-the-locker-room guy all the time. I'm virtually never there before the games in the locker room. Uh, but I size up and I do the smell test. I think this, this team, it's a bunch of young, eager, energetic guys excited to play baseball. And I think for now, well, a lot that's, of times that's that, a big change. A lot of t- and a lot of times that goes a long way. Yeah. As to failure or success. Yeah. And, uh, Look, I'm not predicting this team is going to go out there and win 85 games and, be, you know, why not two. But I think they will win closer to, to 65 games this year, which is a huge step up. 18 oh, yeah. games more. Uh, and I think they're going to be fun to be around, and I think they're going to be fun. But let's not kid ourselves. If Cobb, Kashner, and Bundy don't pitch well, this will be a bad team. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And they're probably right. going to 
bad as far as it, it, they're going to be looking in relative terms, right? Good for them will be seeing encouraging signs from young players, seeing them go out every day and actually play hard and like play the right way and give it their all kind of thing in a cliche sort of way. But they're probably not going to be better. The absolute best I could see this team ever being is probably a 70-win team, you know? Right. At this point in right. time, that but would be know, a lot. If and, that and happened, I'll and, take that. Sure. But in an, in an ironic way, if they're playing well enough to win 70 games that year, this year, that would probably mean when they get into mid-July, and remember there's only one trade deadline now, July right. 31st, that all three starting pitchers, if they're pitching well, I'm they're talking gone. about they're gone. And all yeah. three of them. Now, here, here's an interesting scenario. Does that trade deadline take effect next year, I believe? I thought this year. I think it's this year. Yeah, this year. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, here's an interesting scenario. Suppose, just suppose that this team kind of is on the brink of a, a why not two for right. whatever reason, whether they're just playing above their heads and, uh, uh, you know, they're pitching well, like you said, and, and they're doing a lot of the little things it takes to win ball games, and they're winning. And yeah. for some reason, this division isn't controlled by two teams. Right. When the trade deadline rolls around and right. this team is – close and again right. just a scenario and they start moving pieces <laughs> right fans are going to go off their gourd yeah 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 i think fortunately for mike elias that is not going to happen <laughs> i i well but, yeah exactly but, but it could because this game is weird we've seen it happen before in the past and let's face it the astros went through a couple of 100 loss seasons right and then all of a sudden they got good one year. Right. Okay? And I'm not saying that this is the year that that's going to happen. But, again, anything is possible in the game of baseball. Yeah. The only one of the three that I would see potentially staying in Baltimore is, is Cobb. Mm -hmm. You know, if he's pitching well, I know the team would like to get out from under that salary and they could probably get a good prospect for him. But, but when you're doing a rebuild, it does help to have at least one really qualified major league starter and i would think he'd be the the most uh, obvious candidate of that right all right uh we're going to get our friend doug fernandez on from the saratoga herald uh, tribune uh will be joining us just momentarily right now. uh in terms of what you see uh coming down the stretch in terms of who makes this club and who doesn't uh that's i thought we'd save that for todd okay late, later on in the show but i gotta tell you for a team that we all agree that 70 would be great that that, that are you know a, a close to 100 mm -hmm. loss team i think they've got some surprisingly tough calls to make when it comes down to knocking this down to 25 I think, and especially in the outfield yeah no question about it Joining us right now is Doug Fernandez, and Doug, a uh, longtime writer with the Saratoga, Sar Sarasota Herald Tribune. How are you, Doug Fernandez? You want me to help you with that? Yes. Yes. Can you repeat it? What happened? I just heard you for a second. All right. Can you hear me now? Yeah. All right. How are you? All right, Stan. That's, that's Doug Fernandez from the Sarasota Herald Tribune, and I am the columnist. So, so I'm not. I'm just trying to, you know, not yeah. in charge. But if you, but yeah. if you were at Saratoga, you'd be writing about racing, <laughs> right? You'd be writing about <laughs> racing in Saratoga, no question about but it. If I was in Saratoga, exactly. You're right. You, if you were in Saratoga, your wife wouldn't be too happy with you. <laughs> hey, Doug, um, you've you've covered the Orioles since their move into Sarasota. 
Uh, it's been a number of years now. What's it been, nine, ten years that they've been in Sarasota? Yeah, this, this, this is the tenth. In fact, they just honored the millionth fan uh, on their tenth anniversary here in uh, in Sarasota. Ten years. And what did that person win? Well, she won. Uh, it was she, she was picked at random. She represented the millionth fan, right? Uh, that they that they've joined at Smith Stadium. I spoke to her. I did a story on her. She won, a, a, not a bad booty. She won five thousand dollars at a local jewelry store right. here in town, which made her husband very happy. She won the use of a Mercedes for a weekend, and she also won two season tickets to spring training for five years. Oh, that's so, a, that's a, that is a nice, that's a nice, nice haul. That's yeah. haul, just for walking through the turnstile. Was that Mrs. Know? Fernandez that won that, <laughs> by any chance? Yes, exactly. Right. And I'm putting the season tickets up for sale immediately. <laughs> Highest bidder. Hey, tell, what do you think the relationship has been like between the city of Sarasota and the Baltimore Orioles and how it's it's become sort of we're sister cities now. There's so many Baltimoreans uh, traveling to Sarasota now. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, on that point, first, uh, I know for a fact before the Orioles moved here, I don't think a lot of uh, mid-Atlantic people uh, knew anything. I think they were more familiar with Saratoga right. than Sarasota. I mean, they had no reason to know the West Coast of the state since the Orioles trained on the East Coast. But I think since you guys have come here, they've discovered this area. They talked about economic impact to the area, uh, which has been a great impact. And I think what the Orioles have done is they've uh, embedded themselves in this community year-round. I mean, everybody knows they're yep. here for spring training, but they host a, a lot of youth tournaments that bring in money to the area using the Twin Lakes facility, their minor league facility. I mean, I don't think a lot of people know when the Orioles leave town here that their presence in this area is still pretty heavy. And, uh, you know, going back to when the Orioles came here, you know, this area had a chance to get the Red Sox. Uh, you know, the Red Sox wanted to uh, maybe relocate back to their original home here, which is Sarasota, but that fell through. And when the Orioles came in, uh, I think it was a wait-and-see attitude, what they'd bring to the area. But they really have delivered on just making themselves visible, whether it's working with youth groups, whether it's working with athletes or students in the local community, local elementary schools, middle schools. So they've really done a nice job there. And what has to happen now is they have to match it with uh, having a competitive team on the field. That would be a, a, a really sort of capper on that. You know, the the sort of wisdom or genius of the relationship vis-a-vis Masson, where, you know, the trade-off that the Orioles gave back to Sarasota was in, in terms of marketing and advertising. When you can't watch an Oriole game during the regular season without promotion, of something about going to Sarasota. And I think that's uh, been a big win for the city. Both on the radio uh, and TV. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I understand Virginia Haley, who's a chamber of commerce down here. She's been up there on Fan Fest Day. You're absolutely right, guys. Sarasota has been plastered in everybody's consciousness up there. Like I said, if you didn't know Sarasota before, yep. watch an Orioles game, and you'll certainly realize, oh, that's where they spring train now. And you're right. People come down from Baltimore uh, I've talked to them in the stands. A lot of them have probably bought uh, uh, homes down here after discovering how nice it is. That's why it's grown so much probably in the last 10 years. There's a lot more people here. But uh, the relationship is strong. And like I said, uh, you know, once these young players become good and they get that name recognition factor, I think that can only help. 
Doug, you know, one other thing, and we've written about it here at Pressbox. Bill Ordeen, one of our writers, wrote something about four years ago about why why it was you virtually could not fly from Baltimore to Sarasota. That's changed a little this year. Allegiant Airlines flies in and out, I think, on Mondays and Fridays now, uh, which is so much nicer now. I didn't travel that way, but I, I travel into Tampa. But it's so nice to be able to fly right into Sarasota. No, um, I mean, you're going to pay a little more, obviously. The convenience, you don't have to worry about driving down the 50-mile drive from Tampa. Yep. So there's that convenience factor. You're going to pay more. But the airport is beautiful. I mean, it was renovated about 15 years ago. It can handle all kind of carriers. I remember when the Red Sox were talking about coming here, JetBlue was talking about establishing mm-hmm. a direct line from Boston right into Sarasota. And when that fell through, now you have access uh, visa via that airline, but uh, no, uh, driving into flying into Sarasota, it's easy. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, you park your car, you drive out of there, and you're within the beaches within ten minutes. So it, it is real convenient there. So. It, it was basically kind of like when the Nats were in Vieira, right? Because you would fly into Orlando and then rent a car and go about forty-five, right. fifty minutes, same thing to yeah. Vieira, as opposed to just being able to fly into Melbourne and you're right there. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I'll tell you what's more. I'll tell you what's really convenient is that when the renovation deal included Twin Lakes, which is their minor league facility, yep. about you know ten miles away. Really convenient to bring over seven or eight minor league ball players from your camp for a game mm-hmm. and then hustle them back. Uh, there's not that logistic problem, so that's another benefit that can hopefully help the competitive nature going forward. That sort of stuff can only help. So we've talked a little bit about the logistics of the team being there. You've uh, witnessed um, the Buck Showalter, Dan Duquette era there, uh, which which fostered some pretty good baseball. How different is the Mike Elias, Brandon Hyde camp than it was with Duquette and Showalter? Well, you know, again, this observation from somebody who's only for a month. I mean, I, I don't see these guys six months out of the year. But I, I think everybody can agree that uh, the Orioles could have started this rebuild that they're currently on last year or a year before. Mm-hmm. I think everybody was agree that they tried to squeeze one more year out of this out of the regime that was here last year, whether it was in the front office, the managerial thing, or uh, players in the in the clubhouse, and it didn't work. Every, uh, they, they, they were late doing it. Anything that could have gone wrong with that team did, and I think you know I've been in enough clubhouses or enough locker rooms in pro football where. I think players can look around the locker room and assess what they have and whether they have any legitimate chance that season in their sport. And I think maybe a lot of the Baltimore veterans looked around last year, saw maybe the pitching staff, mm-hmm. and, and figured, you know, we don't have the horses this year. And, uh, you know, uh, Chris Davis in his opening press conference referenced indirectly sort of the clubhouse dynamic last year under Buck. You know, Buck has a history of turning things around, and then maybe, you know, like most head coaches or managers, they outstay their welcome. Yep. I think under Brandon Hyde, it's a, di- it's a different dynamic because they got a different clubhouse. There's none of these veterans who have guaranteed jobs. I mean, they got a bunch of young guys who are fighting and scrapping to get a major league job. I think a guy like Brandon Hyde was brought in here to instruct, to sort of lead, to be a cheerleader, to be positive. I mean, you know, they got a young guy, a young manager to sort of grow with his young players. And Mike Elias, we don't see him very much, uh, but he's the analytics guy. 
I think everybody agrees the Orioles were behind that curve in terms of using analytics to improve a guy's performance. You know, they had cameras out here at spring training taking slow-motion pictures of the ball leaving guys' hand and the spin rate and stuff like that. The ball was late to the party. They've reinforced that. So I think it's a, it's a new day, to use a cliche, in Baltimore. And I, I think uh, it, it was very needed, as evidenced by the record last year. If you had to point out one thing that you've seen uh, covering this team in spring training that's impressed you most, what would that be? Uh, I just think the enthusiasm. And, again, that goes with being a 21-year-old guy who played a double-A last year, and suddenly you got a chance to win, you know, X position. I think the and that that's come down from Brandon. I, I mean, you know, Buck last year. You know, Buck was Buck. Buck could have been a little curmudgeonly type, uh, and maybe that filtered down veteran players. I think the enthusiasm and just the optimism. I, I mean, they're optimistic when the you know the general media predicts this team to lose a hundred games a year. Mm-hmm. So that's refreshing. Uh, that Brandon's a young guy. You know, learned under Joe Madden. Uh, and I think his enthusiasm has sort of rubbed off on his players already in spring training. Doug, have you been close enough to, to really observe sort of what what figure to be the position battles, uh, a little bit of how the roster's going to get made up? Because uh, for, for a team that we all agree, the, the upside is probably 65 to 70 wins would be fantastic this year, but yet... It, that sounds like a team you'd be able to easily say, here's your 25, and I go over it, and i got at least 35, 37 names that I think it's chisel, chiseling down to 25 is not going to be quite as easy as you'd think. Well, I mean, I think a team like this, you, you don't have to worry about service time. Like a guy like Richie Martin. Uh, Rule 5 guy, I wrote about him this spring. Right. Uh, went to high school down here. Really didn't hit in the minors. Hit last year. Oakland made him available. Baltimore grabbed him. Why not make him your starting shortstop? Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, let's see. I mean, if you lose 100 games, you're going to grow with this guy. Let's see what he's got. I think the battles on this team right now are sort of the outfield positions. You know, Austin Hayes, he was here last year. He's had a fantastic spring. Uh, Joey Rickett has had a fantastic spring, and he's one of the veterans out there now all of a sudden. <laughs> Santanda has had a nice spring. Yep. Uh, Cedric Mullins, I mean, he played in left field. Everybody thought he'd be the center fielder. He had Hayes playing center field. He's, I'll tell you, he's Hyde is moving guys around, seeing what he has, seeing if they can handle multiple positions, because I think this is a team where I don't think you're going to have 25 clear-cut guys. I think you're going to have yeah. guys that maybe will move around, uh, maybe use guys in different positions. You may see Trey Mancini play a lot of first base this year if Chris Davis doesn't hit again. Or if, uh, or if Trumbo is not fully healthy at the outset of the season. Yeah, well, I think Trumbo's going to be the DH. I don't think you're going to see Trumbo play much posi- make much positions at all this year. I think you're going to see him be the, the DH. And uh, with, the, with, the, with the fueling position out of the equation, maybe he can be uh, the Trumbo he was two years ago. Uh and uh, and the, they need that bat. They need Chris Davis to return. They need somebody to take over the third base spot. I, I mean, I, I, has anybody really run away with that position yet? No. Uh, the bullpen. This guy Fry hasn't been hasn't allowed a run this spring. I think you have to pencil him in. Mike Wright uh, might get one of the rotation spots because he's had a great spring. So there are a lot of moving parts on this team right now and there's a you know there's a week and a half left of spring training. Doug, I find one of the interesting things uh, about this team is 
Trey Mancini coming into this year. Now here's a guy that came up and impressed when he got here, specifically with his bat. But I thought he worked very, very hard to make himself a left fielder that didn't embarrass himself while he was out there. But now where you have a, a situation where there's outfield depth and young guys trying to good earn, earn their player. way, yeah. good defensive guys, how much, not necessarily pressure, but what do you think Trey Mancini feels like coming into this season? Well, hopefully Trey should feel very comfortable because he's now one of the veteran guys. Yeah. And listen, he had a little sophomore slump. I mean, if you look at his numbers, they didn't match his first year. But uh, I think Trey is primed to have one of those bounce back years. Listen, I think you can pencil in Trey Mancini, uh, if he has a Trey Mancini type year, from anywhere from 20 to 25 home runs, you know, maybe a 270 average, and, uh, you know, however many ribbies, however many guys get on base for him to drive in. That's the key. I mean, you have a couple of guys in this lineup who you know can hit the ball. Mancini, Trumbo being another one. You just hope that these rest of these guys get on base, that guys like that can drive in runs. I, I mean, you know, everybody talks about spring training and, and you, know, they have, you know, they've looked good in some places. Once the bell rings and you're getting everybody's best, that's when you, you really got to maybe question what this team has right now. Uh, and you're right. I mean, they have 35 guys right now. How's a guy like Hyde going to whittle this team down to the players he thinks will make that trip up to New York and deserve to be on this team? One uh, that the, remains to be seen. One of the interesting things to me is I think it's pretty clear cut that he really likes Drew Jackson and his versatility. So Martin, the shortstop, and Drew Jackson are going to make the team two Rule 5 guys. If they want to keep Pedro Aruelho, They've got to keep him up for 17 more days at the outset of the season or they have to offer him back to the Cubs. Craig and Doug, what do you think they do on that? That's it. Uh, I, I don't know. This, this, this team wrote the, wrote the you know, invented Rule 5. I mean, every <laughs> year they take a couple of guys. You know, bullpen, I, I think you're going to see a lot of the Orioles' bullpen, like even the Red Sox' bullpen worked last year, or a lot of teams where you have a couple of guys down in AAA, and uh, as the need as the need arises, you shuttle these guys back and forth to give them a blow, send them down, bring them back up, use the options you have available. I mean, I mean, I don't know, guys. Well, but uh, they've got uh, the question though was specifically about Arojo. Do you think they keep him, Craig? Well, if I mean, they got to keep him up seventeen days. Right I'm not so sure that they need to keep him. Is what my point is okay. here. So from that standpoint, I hate to lose an arm like that. I know he wasn't great, but he, that's a guy who should have been pitching like in Double A last year. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I know. Hey, Doug. We really appreciate you joining the show. And um, I think you should look into that move to Saratoga. <laughs> I hear it's pretty well, nice uh, this time of year. Uh, I'll tell you, I know a couple of nags down here, so maybe you're right. <laughs> hey, it's great seeing you as always, and good to have you on, and we'll call you as events Thanks, warranted. Guys, see you out there. All right, take care, Doug. Orioles lineup is out today for okay. the game against the uh, Blue Jays in Dunedin. Uh, Eric Young is in left field. Trumbo is the DH. Chance Sisko's hitting third, catching. Uh, Renato Nunez is the third baseman. Austin Hayes in right field. Stevie Wilkerson at first base, and 
Hanson Alberto at short sec- No, at second, second base. Richie Martin at shortstop and Drew Jackson in center field. Do you see who's playing center? I'm sorry, Drew Jackson. Drew Jackson. Yeah. He's going to make the team because he plays a number of positions. Do you see Alcides Escobar making this team? Uh, with count, a, with a veteran, the numbers, with yeah. a veteran presence that he yeah. brings. Yeah, I would have to think. Do you think he can make it with the two Rule Five guys and Nunez and Ruiz? Both making the team, is there room for Escobar? Well, I would think there is room because it's going to come down to who has options and who doesn't have options. So the young guys obviously have options. All right. Um, It's 11.01. We're uh, broadcasting from the live casino hotel studios as we do every Saturday. Tomorrow, I want to remind you, from 10 to 12, it's Fantasy and Reality Football Show indeed. With, with Ken Zalis and Kyle uh, Ottenheimer. That is indeed the case. Has there been any attempt to replace uh, the NFL chick? Uh, I, as far as I know, that this will show will be continuing through the end of the uh, NFL draft NFL season, draft. past the draft, yeah. and then after that it will uh, go into the soft good night, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Well, is there any chance we could put a wig on Craig Heist? No. I mean, you call him the NFL chick? No. That's not mutually exclusive no. for anything. You no. could do it's that if you wanted happen. to. Uh, you obviously had the wrong channel on for... Uh, well, UMBC would not be on the Big Ten Network. No. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Well, we're waiting for the UMBC game. I had it on the right... Okay, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Peek into the, the technological life of Stan oh, Charles. Charles. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's an, it's uh, not a job; an it's adventure. an adventure. <laughs> Here we go. We've got it's two nothing Vermont. There you go. You put Let's it in do a little play by play. No thanks. All right, <laughs> All right. Um, we've got in just a couple of minutes Adam Gladstone going to join us, and then eleven thirty five will be joined by Todd Karpovich. Don't forget Monday through Friday. This same time slot, 10 to 12, is Glenn Clark Radio with Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer. Right. And uh, we got a theme here that without Kyle Ottenheimer, there's nothing goes on at this station, station. right? Exactly. But you know what? I I had the opportunity to, uh, uh, after late night games, get up around 9, 9 9.30. I'm always uh, on and catching you guys in the morning. Appreciate it. uh, and, And liking and sharing at the same time. And uh, yes, we appreciate ye- that, yesterday, so. yesterday though, I had to, I sent uh, uh, Glenn to Glenn Cl- at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. Oh yeah, uh, I sent him a message about you know some of the fans just being absolutely just off the charts stupid about uh, about Maryland about Maryland Martyrs not making the tournament okay. and how they didn't deserve to be there and this and that and every and I'm like, will you please stop it? A little common sense, please. By the way, speaking of liking and sharing, we'd love for anybody that's watching the program this morning, uh, and we are live in the live casino hotel studio, to please, uh, if you're on Facebook Live, please like the show and share the show. Even though I just just called all the fans stupid. (laughs) Well, you know, listen, I'll tell you something. One of the, the trickiest things for me is and and remember, I grew up in this in this burg, you know. And the University of Maryland under Lefty Drizel, there was a tremendous passion for this program. Yeah. And you lived and died with the program. Uh, it stayed that way for the two years Bob Wade was coach of the team. It wasn't quite the same. And then it certainly was like that most of the time with Gary Williams' teams. 
uh, I sensed the last three to four seasons that that luster of the University of Maryland men's basketball program is somewhat knocked off. I don't think people uh, no, coming I, up are as passionate about and, it. And I'll tell you another thing, too, and this is uh, maybe not necessarily uh, goes to, or speaks to the brand of basketball that's played there. Uh, I will say this. I love the Xfinity Center. I think mm-hmm. it's a great venue in terms of every, you know, being all the amenities. All the amenities. It'll never be Cole Fieldhouse. Yeah. It'll never be Cole Fieldhouse. And when you went to a Maryland game at Cole Fieldhouse, that, that there was excitement. There was an insanity was, that went but, on. But, and you know my relationship with Gary, okay? But, yeah. But the Gary years at Xfinity – it was still the the feeling for the program was still robust. Yeah, but that a lot and, of that had uh, to do with Gary yeah, too. Well, the, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah, the last three four seasons when it's become apparent that your team really isn't going to get to the finish line the way you want them to. Right. Uh, it's it's knocked a lot of that passion out as far as I'm concerned. So when you get people call up that are passionate about ca- saying that Mark Turgeon's no good, at least they're showing some passion about something. Well, I, I, and they the have program. every right to feel that way yeah. because of the things that we've talked about right. this morning. But to look at the overall body of work for this team this year. Right, and say that they're not and, worthy and of the NCAA tournament. It's just ludicrous. Yes. All right, joining us right now is the one, the only, Adam Gladstone. Adam, how are you, my friend? I'm great, guys. How are you doing? Doing good. Adam, I, I got to tell you, Adam, right off the bat, Stan was trying to figure out how to introduce you earlier, and I just said, I said, look, I said, just make it simple. The guy that used to co-host this show. <laughs> that's, you know, that's not a bad way to be remembered. Yeah. You know, hey, there was a famous famous player that said just to be remembered is good enough. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, we remember I'll take you. it. Whenever we need a guest, we remember Cal, you. Cal Ripken said that. Absolutely. Did he say that? Yeah. yeah. He said, everybody wants to know how, uh, ask me how no, I want to be remembered. Remember. He said, just to remember, be remembered at all is pretty good. That is pretty good. That is pretty special. I'll take it. Uh, we remember you because we know that you uh, have been a baseball executive in the minor leagues. We know that you've been a, uh, a longtime friend of the late Joe Kleins, who ran the uh, Atlantic League, correct? Correct. Uh, and... Uh, you introduced me uh, two weeks ago to Rick White, who's been the new president of the Atlantic League for uh, the past season and a half, so to speak, going in, I believe, to his second season in that role. Um, they came out with some big news uh, that we previewed on this show two weeks ago that they have signed a deal with Major League Baseball, and Major League Baseball actually announced some of the experiments that they're going to do in the Atlantic League, can you detail those for us first? Sure. I mean, the, 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 as we all know, the Atlantic League has is, is been around for 20 years now. The Atlantic League was started uh, the first year that the league played was 1998. Uh, I know that because Joe Klein was the, the executive director of the league, and Joe hired me in 98 as an umpire, which was my last year as a professional umpire. And then Joe helped me make the transition to the front office and ran – multiple teams in the Atlantic League for about 10 years. And, and the Atlantic League was billed. Joe had the, the foresight to realize that Major League Baseball and their respective farm clubs, that there was going to be a need. There was going to be a need for that 4A player, that player that was good enough to play in the big leagues but wasn't, didn't have a spot 
uh, and didn't necessarily want to go to AAA, uh, and and was a six-year minor league free agent, so therefore had the ability to sign with anybody that they want and then go play in the Atlantic League and then be available to any of the 30 clubs at any time. So that really, really bore fruit because I think it's been in 20 years over 500 players have gone back to major league organizations at the minor league level, and about 10 to 15 percent of those players have gone back to play at the major league level. So um, I can see why Major League Baseball would want to utilize the Atlantic League. First and foremost, the Atlantic League plays the longest season in independent baseball. They play a, a what they deem a full season, which is 126 games. Okay. So the Atlantic League's playing 126 games. They have more of a veteran type of player than any other any other independent league out there. And the veteran player, on average, the average level of play in the Atlantic League is probably classified as 2.5A. And they get that by saying it's probably AAA hitting and AA pitching. Okay. So you've got veteran players that know how to play the game. What's going to be very interesting to me, and some of these rule changes, Stan, that you asked about, was... First and foremost, beginning in the second half of the season, the Atlantic League is going to push the, the pitching mound back two feet. Do, do, let and, me let me interrupt you for one second. Do you actually really expect, is that 100% etched in stone that that is going to happen? I don't believe that Major League Baseball, I'll take the Atlantic League out of the equation, I don't think Major League Baseball is going to come out and make this announcement yeah. and it not happen. Okay. Um. My that's that's just my opinion. Do you do you think we you, will ever see the day where that it's attempted to move that to the major leagues? Um, uh, you know, I never thought that we would have instant replay to help make right. calls in major league baseball. Right. Even though I'm glad, personally, I'm glad that we did because it gave me an opportunity. But um, I'm I, with the way that this game is changing. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not. I'm never going to say never. Okay. And um, but. I will tell you that I've had conversations with Brett Jody, who's the current manager of the, Spark, of the uh, Somerset Patriots. Uh, we hired Brett as a pitcher. Brett pitched in the big leagues briefly with the Padres and the Yankees. Um, he was a pitching coach. He's now the manager. He took over for Sparky Lyle in Somerset. And Brett is extremely concerned on, A, how his pitchers are going to be able to pitch the first half of a season at 60 feet 6 inches, have a four-day break, and then come back and have to pitch at 62-6. Yeah. I mean, there's there's some serious concern. And, and one of the things, Stan, you and I talked about was, in the Atlantic League, 100% of the teams, all eight teams, are individually owned. Mm-hmm. And 100% of the cost associated with putting a team on the field is under the responsibility of that ownership group. Including workman's including comp. workman's comp and health insurance, correct? Exactly, yeah. and and you got I mean, you got you've got these pitchers that have been pitching at this distance on a ninety foot field for twenty years now, or fifteen years now, and now all of a sudden you're going to change the dimensions on these guys, where they're they've practiced, they've honed their craft at sixty feet six inches. To me, it's it's that's going to be very very interesting to see how that plays out. All right, Craig. Well, you know, uh, and I shake my head at a lot of these rule changes adam to be honest with you yep. sure and my 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 fear 
with the way things are going in this country now, not just with baseball, but in other areas, uh, is that eventually this will come to fruition at the major league level. And from that standpoint, from that standpoint, I just wish this commissioner of Major League Baseball would leave the damn game alone. There's a reason why it's the greatest game in the world. And there's a reason why it's the national pastime. And I just don't think the majority of baseball fans want the game to be jockeyed around like this, for lack of a better expression to use. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Look, I'm a baseball purist, um, but I also get how the game is, 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 is evolving, I guess is the best way to say it, even though it was a pretty good game and we all fell in love with it for the last 150 years, the way that it was played. Yeah. So I, I, I get that. Um, you know, look, the other things that are, that are interesting to me, you take the pitcher's mound, you also take now the role of electronics in that the home plate umpire in these Atlantic League games are, is now going to be directed to call balls and strikes based off of Trackman. Trackman, track yeah. And, you know, first and foremost, and, and I'll kind let of... Me, let, me just inter- let me just interrupt for one second. I want to explain for those that are listening or watching on Facebook that Trackman is, a, uh, is basically, for lack of a better term, a radar system, Correct. It's an electronic radar system that MLB is paying to install in all the Atlantic League sites, correct? Correct. And and all 30 major league clubs have a variation of TrackMan internally. Correct. So it's consistent with the system that they're using. Look, they're not doing this because they they, they care about balls and strikes. Major League Baseball likes it because it's going to give the Atlantic League a better opportunity to be scouted uh, and to be able to determine the analytics that are being utilized in the Atlantic League and how that will play back in affiliated baseball for, I'm not going to call them prospects, but right. for guys that can help fill out the existing farm system. So, so, so but, can but, I just understand, uh, do you have any idea what, what one TrackMan system costs? Are we? I, asked- would, I would go out there and say that a TrackMan system on average is probably 10000 could be ten to anywhere from ten to twenty thousand dollars. Okay, so and they're putting it in ten cities, eight cities, eight cities. So it's a hundred thousand dollar investment, roughly, uh, by yeah. Major League Baseball. Okay, what I else is what, what else is the Atlantic League getting for sort of selling themselves to Major League Baseball to be used as this laboratory? Are they getting well, any other compensations? I would assume that, that there's obviously a monetary figure that is going back to the Atlantic League, but the thing that I'm sure that Rick White is extremely happy about is, hey, you turn on MLB.com or you turn, and what are we doing right now? The Atlantic League has probably gotten the most attention it's yeah. ever gotten in 20 years because of its um, guaranteed affiliation with Major League Baseball. I mean, this this is not the first time that Major League Baseball and the Atlantic League had entered into an agreement uh, in terms of player procurement, but it is the first time that they've come out and they've partnered, they've truly partnered on an opportunity like this. Let me also make clear to, to our listeners, and I'll ask you to explain it, but so we understand TrackMan is not just uh, uh, an electronic assistance for balls and strikes. Can you explain basically what TrackMan is used for by all major league teams right now. 
Sure. I mean, you, you see it now with the uh, the advancement of the Orioles analytics department, and, and anybody that has followed the club down in spring training uh, has now seen those cameras that are behind the bullpens or um, in, in uh, Ed Smith Stadium or, or behind the net. It's an opportunity for the Major League Club to track all of the movements and whatever types of formulas they want to instill off of the players that are actually playing the game. Velocity, spin rate, um, speed, you know, anything that, anything that you can document, TrackMan is giving them the platform to document those movements. All right. So that's, that's where we are. Now, what other rule changes aside from the moving back to pitcher's mound in the second half of the Atlantic League season by two sure. feet, the uh, home plate ball and strike assist um, from TrackMan, what other changes are going to be experimented with this season, Adam? Well, and this is one I, I kind of like a little bit. Um, they're going to require two infielders to be on each side of second base when a pitch is released. Okay. So I, I'm I, I'm not a huge proponent of shifting in baseball. Mm-hmm. I get it, and it works. Um, but uh, I'm 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 interested to see how this plays out. Um, a minute. They're changing the time between innings and pitching changes from two minutes and five seconds to a minute 45. Right. Um, they're also increasing, this is interesting, they're increasing the size of first, second, and third base from 15 inches to 18 inches square. Okay. So it's really going to force, like, I, I'm curious as to the phantom play at second base, which even with the advancement of instant replay, how that became a challengeable call, how this is going to force players to make sure they touch the bag and not have anywhere near a phantom play, and the umpire's response is if he calls a phantom, you know, doesn't call the phantom double play, well, guess what? We just added three inches to the base. You should certainly be able to hit that. Yeah. And, it, and it, uh, may, it may help with the Manny Machado calls at first base. <laughs> yeah. Run, running, yeah. Over, running over the foot of the first baseman. Right. There's, there's, there's no reason why Manny should be hitting uh, any first baseman in the back <laughs> of the leg with an additional, additional three inches of bag. All right. Well, hit. we're going to certainly keep our eyes on all these changes and uh, – once uh, the Atlantic League gets started, love to, I would love to get that manager on, perhaps. Uh, what's his name, sure. Brett Jody? Brett Jody. Yeah, you got some interesting guys managing that league. you got yeah. Incavilia. You've got Wally Backman. Okay. Uh, you got you got Brett Jody. Um, love to have him. And, got, of course, uh, com- the president of the league, Rick White, said he'd love to come back on. And we'll talk sure. about this. And maybe one time when Craig's out. I'll bring you in, and we'll co-host a whole show on uh, rule changes. All right? You got it. Pete, Sounds good. Pete Incavilia. It's Pete Incavilia. Yeah. He's yeah. still there. Yeah, okay. So, former how many, how many years has he been managing? Well, Inky's been, he's been managing independent baseball for a good 10, 15 years. And, really? And he just went to, he went to Sugar Land and took over in Sugar Land, took over for Gary Gaetti. Oh, wow. wow. How about that? That's interesting. All right. If you you look back at the history of the Atlantic League, it's been a who's who of managers in that league. All right. Well, Adam, always appreciate your input. Uh, Many thanks, and we'll talk to you soon. All right? Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thank you. I want to remind you that we are broadcasting from the live Casino Hotel Studios, uh, the Battle Round, every Saturday from 10 to 12, Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday from 10 to 12, and the Sunday Fantasy and Reality Football Show from 10 to 12, all 
broadcast in the live casino and hotel studios. And we can tell you that Vermont leads UMBC 13-7. There's 11.38 to go in the first half. UMBC having a little trouble on the boards. Offensive rebounding for Vermont's been very good. Putbacks, a couple of turnovers for UMBC. Got to cut that down. Has Rob Manford changed any of the rules yet? (laughs) No. No, he hasn't. No. As far as I know, the three-point line is still still the same same, distance. Boy, I'll tell you, if there's one thing I'd love in basketball, I'd love a three-point line maybe the last two minutes of of each half or something like that. I do not like the three point play. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to tell you that's not going to happen. I know, yeah. I know. The way the game's trending, they might just move it in. I'll tell you <laughs> who. I'll tell you who else has uh, become a, a, as I understand it, very anti three point play. A three point shot is Gary Williams. Understand, he's really thinks it's significantly well, altered it's, it's the changed, skills of basketball. Right, and it's changed the game not just with the skills. Uh, and if part of what Gary means by the skills is the fundamentals and the, the way the game is played, yeah, and roll I can and agree with that. There's yeah, no I question agree. about yeah. it. But uh, again, in this day and age of scoring, and you know, people like to see the points put up. You and I were always trying to score. Yeah, but that's I mean, totally that's different. Totally different game. Yeah, totally different you, game. you never got outside the three-point line. <laughs> <laughs> I never got inside it either. Yeah, well, there you uh, go. Uh, let's talk a little bit about our friend uh, Steve Garland and the bat around. At Big Bats. That's exactly That's right. That's right. Over in Stevensville, Maryland. Uh, either to, on your way to the shore or on your way back, Big Bats is the place to stop. I thought that stop. was my line. No. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 you go, go ahead. ahead. You first, go ahead. First exit as you get off the Bay Bridge heading eastbound. Yeah. And you get up to the, the intersection, the top of the hill, hang a left, left. about a quarter of a mile quarter down a on mile. your right. The Big Bats. It is Big Bats. That's and right. uh, the NCAA tournament going on. There's not a better place to go. Grab lunch, grab dinner, and go watch the game. All right. Baseball games will be starting up pretty soon. Uh, you can also watch the lacrosse games, including lacrosse playoffs, the Capitals and their playoff run. They, they have it. They have it all over there. They have great theme rooms throughout the bar, throughout the restaurant area. I highly recommend the Orioles uh, theme room, which. Uh, has memorabilia dating back to when they first came to town in 1954 straight up through the world championship in 66 their first one and uh to what's going on today and as craig heiss always likes to point out it is the one place that you can go and sit on a a base that's right all around the bar big bats st Clair place stevensville maryland we'll be right back with more of the bat around right after this Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with a 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster. Wings, beer, sports. Available for dining orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. One third of crash fatalities in Maryland are due to impaired driving. Don't be a statistic. Be legendary. What does it mean to be legendary? It means always making a plan to choose a sober driver or be one. Never drinking, then getting behind the wheel. Making sure to get a ride for yourself and your friends if needed. Always speaking up and taking the keys from an impaired driver. Remember, sober drivers save lives. This safety message is brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation. Visit BeLegendaryMD.com. 
Maryland, it's the craziest time of year for college basketball. So don't miss a minute of the madness. Fridays through Sundays in March, watch your favorite teams compete for a spot in the championship on 74 feet of HD LED screens in the Sportsbook and Sports Bar at Laurel Park. With food and drink specials during games and thrilling live thoroughbred racing Friday through Sunday, there's no better place to indulge in the madness. Visit Facebook.com slash Laurel Park for details. We'll see you there. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. KZ, Sari, the NFL chick, KO from the Pressbox Fantasy and Reality Football Show. You can hear it by going to PressBoxOnline.com slash fantasy every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. And you can also check us out on Facebook.com slash Sports. We talk about college football. We talk about the NFL. We talk about the fantasy aspect. We talk about the reality aspect. And we talk about soccer. The, the other type of football. No. No, we don't. We don't? No. Never? No. Yeah, not really. Tennis? No. Nope. Rugby? Nope. No? Just no, football. Just NFL football. football. College, College football. College football. Every Sunday morning, 10 a.m. to noon, Press Box Fantasy and Reality Football Show. Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer here from Glenn Clark Radio. Kyle, you know, I'm regularly asked by folks about how we get so many great guests on our show. Well, I, I work really hard to get some of the biggest names on with us. I know you do, and the world recognizes it, but I want to challenge you to try to get some even bigger guests on the show moving forward. Okay, who do you have in mind? Well, nothing crazy. Like, what about Tim Tebow? Uh, or, or how about Leonardo DiCaprio or, or Lady Gaga, maybe Barack Obama? You know what? I'll settle for Wilt Chamberlain. Well, I think he died. What? Yeah, like 20 years ago. So that's a maybe? Maybe Java Chamberlain. Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. No one wants to talk to Java Chamberlain. If trying something new was a bad idea, many of us would still be wearing polyester. This message is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. You may know us for our great burgers and wings, but Glory Days Pros. Mix it up with the fresh cedar plank salmon, cut in-house and grilled to perfection. Or sizzling and juicy steaks, meaty ribs, we have handcrafted salads and sandwiches by our talented chefs. Change tastes good, we promise. Experience the Glory Days Grill menu in all its glory. Glory Days Grill, great food. Good sports. And we are back with the battle round on this Saturday morning, the 16th of March. We told you the Orioles are in Dunedin to take on the Blue Jays this afternoon. Who's pitching for the Birds today? Alex Cobb pitching today. Oh, okay. Mr. Cobb, the opening day starter. Absolutely, yeah. And the Nationals, they're at home in West Palm taking on the Cardinals, who take that uh, lovely 20-minute drive from Jupiter down to West Palm. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Trey Turner is leading off at shortstop. Adam Eaton is in right field. And Anthony Rendon, the third baseman. Juan Soto hitting cleanup. And he's batting, playing left field. Left field. Ryan Zimmerman. One of, my, one of my keepers is Juan Soto. There you go. Good keeper. Ryan Zimmerman hitting fifth at first base. Brian Dozier at second. Jan Gomes doing the catching. Wilmer Defoe is in center field. And uh, Mad Max. Max Scherzer on there. And who's pitching for the Cards? Do Uh, we know? The Cardinals uh, pitcher, as soon as we bring it up here. Did you guys know that Max Scherzer is older than Felix Hernandez? 
Did not know that. Did not know that, no. Did not know that. It's not that surprising. I mean, if the pitchers are like 19, yeah. yeah. Austin, Austin Gomer. I'm not familiar with G-O-M-B-E-R, Gomer. I'll tell you who's been pitching well this spring for the Cardinals, which is a good sign for them, and I think they're going to surprise everybody. I think they're the team in the Central that's really going to get out to a re- I think Goldschmidt's going to be tremendous. I think Osuna's going to have a much better year. But Adam Wainwright has been pitching very well. Mm-hmm. Run and that's a big, yeah, that's yeah. a big big deal for them. Yep. If they have a healthy Adam Wainwright all year long, here's a guy that's capable easily of winning 15 to 20. Yeah, no question about it. No question about it. Uh, Todd Karpovich is going to join us in just a couple uh, minutes. Uh, this series that opens up in Japan, is it in one city? Uh, Do you I know? Be- I believe it is. Okay. I'm not sure, but I believe it is. Okay. Have those teams, I'm throwing Maybe you curveballs here, have they announced the pitching matchups? Not that I know. Games? Well, I mean, I'm sure they have, but yeah. not being. Boy, that Oakland pitching staff for a team that won, what, 96 games last year? Mm-hmm. The, what's their, Mike Fires is their number one starter? Yeah. Then they got Jesus Lazardo. Normally, though. Yeah. Well, Trinan is Trevino's tremendous, and Trevino is very good. Yeah, yeah. and boy, a, a change of scenery really helped uh, Blake Trinan because here was a guy that the the kind of arm that Mike Rizzo always goes after is a guy that has has the big power arm. Yep. But uh, he is, if he's got that bowling ball sinker mm-hmm. going, he's as good as anybody. Yeah. So, and Trinan was traded in the deal that brought Doolittle and Matson right. to the Nats. Right. Right. I mentioned that Soto is one of my keepers. I had to make a tougher choice mm-hmm. on my other one. Yeah. Because, you, you know, the keeper is whatever the round before you drafted him. That's what the round you keep him as is. Okay. So if I picked up Soto on free agency, that's a last round pick that I got for Juan Soto, which is great. Okay. But my choice was between Trevor Bauer mm-hmm. at a 12th round value. Right. Or Cody Bellinger at a 25th round value. Now that's that the value you mean equates to how many dollars it they equates are? Equates to if you are drafting in a snake draft, right? Right. So my first round pick is going to be Mike Trout. Okay. And then my twelfth round pick would have been who knows, but it's, I don't have a twelfth round pick anymore because that's what Trevor Bauer's keeper value is. Okay. So I four I forego my twelfth right. round pick. So All would you rather have kept? You're, Bauer? you're an American and National Correct. League though. Correct. I probably would keep. Bellinger to 25. I love Bauer. Mm-hmm. I'm very anxious to get him in my league. But given that you've got sure, how many teams are in your league? Uh, 12. 12. I would I would take Bellinger at the 25th value. I think now that especially now that I'm picking first. Yeah. I feel more inclined to keep Bauer because I feel like if I get back on the turn at at 24th the 24th pick, I can't guarantee that I would get a pitcher. That I would really be able to trust five every fifth day kind of thing, and Bauer turned into that last year. Oh, I I love Bauer, yeah. but I'm just saying there's so many more pitchers. You got 12 teams drafting for sure. 30 pitching staffs. But I I want one of the I want one of the top guys, yeah. and so in that sense, Bellinger. I also don't know if he plays every day. That's the problem with the yeah. Dodgers is they have so many guys that there's yeah. it's a it's a bit of a bottleneck at certain places. Don't get me wrong, I love Bauer. He's one of the premium guys I want this year. But I'm an American League. You got to yeah. remember, do people have keepers? Yeah, everybody has keepers. Everybody has keepers. Yeah. So do we. We have keepers. So a lot of the good pitchers are already sure. gone in a 12 team for 15 teams, American League only. It's hard to get those studs. No doubt. They all go for like $30 plus, no doubt. which is a lot. Both, both of those games in Japan are at the Tokyo Dome in, in Tokyo. Yeah. Okay. 
so and and is uh, what's a uh, Ichiro is going to make the Mariners roster for those for two those games? two games? Yeah, he's one it's of the such greatest. A, it's such a joke, though. But he's still like that I mean, guy. Is he going to play? Yeah, I can't he's imagine. They're going to start him. I would think. I mean, why? Why else? I've never seen. I uh, seriously, I've never seen somebody kept on a major league roster for such an obvious, like. Well, I mean, at a point in time, uh, his decision to retire, uh, but to come back with Seattle, where right. he's had all of his good years, right? And uh, but, but I mean, you know, I've watched a guy play with the Marlins too, and the guy can still he's hit. Still hitting, yeah. That's yeah. What I was gonna say. Well, what do you mean he can still hit? What do you mean? What do you How mean? How many RBIs has he driven in the last? He's a part-time yeah. player. Yeah. yeah, I know. But I'm saying he's a part-time player. Last year was atrocious. Okay, let me hear the atrociousness. In 15 games, he hit 205. Okay, in 136 the year prior with the Marlins, right? 255 with a 318 on base percentage. Okay, and 20 steals. So it's not as if he's you know 20 stolen bases. I mean, he's still that's better than Chris Davis last year (laughs) (laughs) for a lot less for a lot less money. Yeah. Okay. All right, so, I stand corrected. Ichiro is somebody that I've, you know, I will always... Look, he's one of the greatest players that's ever played the game. There's no question about could it. Could be the greatest... Well, he's certainly the greatest international Japanese. Is he going to... Has he passed Rose on, hit, on the total no. hits? No. Oh, you mean for between mean Japanese Between Japanese and... Still not. No. I don't think so. No. I thought he did. Now that you mentioned it, he... I think he did. Yeah, I think he did. Okay. I don't remember that happening. What did Rose get? 4,000 hits? 4,200 yeah. hits yeah, or 4, something? 4,000 plus. Yeah. yeah. I think Incredible. he definitely yeah, surprised. Ichiro, Suzuki raises career hit total in the Japanese and North America to the major leagues. 4,257 passing Pete Rose back yeah. in 2016. Okay. So, yeah, okay. right. so he's going to add on to that. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the greatest, and, and he was a remarkable player. I just think Tremendous it's sad. Fielder too, and I just arm. think it's sad. I'd rather he come out and throw out the opening pitch both games than really be trying to compete in these games. Well, we'll have to wait and see whether they put him in the lineup. Look, if he ends up staying a Seattle Mariner for three months or four months, no, well, year, that's a little I'll, bit of a I'll joke. say, uh, no, I'll say that, okay, I was wrong. To me, they're going to have him play in these two games, and then they'll come back to the States and release him. But I'm, not so sure. I'm not so sure that's how it's going to go necessarily. Right. We'll see. If he's, if he's, you know, most well, time will tell. They are reimagining themselves, the uh, Seattle Mariners. By the way, we got about uh, 25 minutes left on the show. Plenty of time for you to still like and share the show. We're broadcasting from the live casino hotel studios, as we do every Saturday with the Batter Round. Uh, Oriole opening day in uh, New York at Yankee Stadium a week from this Thursday. Yes. So the uh, Sands are... Running through the hourglass. And the Nats, will be at, the Nats will be at home that Thursday against the New York Mets. Okay. And then the Orioles a week later on April 4th get the New York Yankees. Right. At yeah. home. With Scherzer and DeGrom starting that year. Oh, <laughs> God, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Is uh, Todd Karpovich is with us. He joins us on the bat around. Todd, how are you, my friend? Todd? See if I can't find Todd back. All right. All right. We'll see if In the meantime, we can tell you we're, we're watching this game, uh, the championship game of the American uh, American East uh, Conference, UMBC and Vermont, and Vermont uh, holding a four-point lead, 18-14, just under seven minutes to play in the first half. All right, Todd, you watching the game between UMBC and Vermont? 
I am. 18-14. How, how, what kind of games it been? I know we got Craig's got his eyes on it, too, but you've been able to focus on it uh, entirely. Well, I think uh, Vermont's, it's a, Vermont's playing their game, you know, setting their offense. It looks like they're, they're killing you, see on the offensive rebounds. That's where they get a lot of second chances. Um, UBC, just no flow yet, but we got a whole half to play. I think they're starting to, they're starting to feel a little bit now, but we'll see. It's a, it's a tough game. It's a, Vermont's the one seed. It's a pretty hostile crowd there, from what I can tell. Yep. All right. The Catamounts and the Retrievers in Vermont. Um, we appreciate you coming on the show. Before we get into talking about baseball and the Orioles, you also, in one of your hats that you wear, you cover the Ravens uh, for, uh, who is it again? I want to do it for Forbes, Forbes uh, Sports Exchange and um, Forbes Sports Exchange and uh, Russell Street Report. Right. So, so, man, you got a lot of hats you wear and a lot of checks coming in. Um, <laughs> tell, oh, ideally, yeah. Tell, tell us about <laughs> Tell us about, well, the king of the checks coming in is Craig Heist. Uh, tell us a little bit about that uh, press conference yesterday the Ravens held. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, they, they wouldn't, you know, openly admit it, but I think, you know, um, it was really a response to what the Browns were doing. You know what I mean? They, they really needed to um, boost that secondary, the secondary with what Cleveland did with, with training for with Del Beckham and having Jarvis Landry there. And then, of course, um, Ingram gives him a better, better running back. Um, and, you know, I think, I think he's going he's gonna, he's gonna to win the starting job over Edwards. But, you know, with Ingram and, and Lamar Jackson, it's a pretty formidable backfield uh, entering the year. Um, the, the biggest challenge now, I mean, like DeCosta said, um, they have money to spend. Yeah, they, they finally and they spent a, they spent a little bit of it. They spent a little bit of it late last night, didn't they? Yeah, they signed another cornerback. Yeah, so more more so, and special teams guy. Um, so they, they they have more depth. They're adding depth. Um, the problem right now, though, that there's no there's really no market for wide receivers, and they don't have much on the roster. I mean, right now, they're going to have to rely on uh, Chris Moore and Willie Sneed. So, let um, me let me ask you one other thing. So who who in their estimation right now? Because it looks to me like uh, I think they're they're feeling with with Lamar Jackson as the quarterback. It's mm-hmm. not all that important to get top flight receivers right now, and it looks like they're hell bent on making this defense better. But who's going to rush the passer right now? Well, that's the thing. They got to get a pass rusher. You know, um, so do they have any money to? Do they have enough money to get one of those guys? They got some money to, to bring in one pass rusher. Um, and again, you know, they're, all the all the guys available are over thirty. You know, so you know they really they they really needed uh, Bowser or Tim Williams to step up. Neither of those guys have been able to to break through. That's really you know that's, that's really kind of stepped them back. You know, as far as signing you know heir apparent. To Suggs, and you know, as far as a, you know, every down pass rusher, so they're going to might have to look to the draft to and, fill that need. And what about the inside uh, linebackers position? Do they think Kenny Young can can hold the hold the fort? They're going to rely on Kenny Young and, uh, and Peanut. You know, also that you know he's coming off a good year. Um, it's another area they're going to look at because they don't have much depth there. They got they have they still have a lot of uh, you know work to do on that roster. They need offensive interior offensive line. You know, they, they got to get some depth there. And I think it might, might be the way they go in the first round this right. year. Todd, gut feeling real quick. Uh, Lamar Jackson and what was deemed an experiment, but then he goes 6-1 and one and gets them into the playoffs. And then goes 105 and miles an hour. And then goes 105 miles. But <laughs> uh, 
Does this? Uh, what, what is your gut feeling about whether or not this works out for the Ravens? Because if it doesn't, if it doesn't, you know, there's going to be a lot of people really coming down on this organization. My gut feeling is he's going to improve. He, you know, he's a he's a hard worker by all accounts, and he could he did show he could throw the ball a little bit. You know, a little bit at Louisville. Um, I think Greg Roman's going to put him in a position to succeed. Um, now, how how far that takes the team? That, that's going to be the question. You know, if they, if they finish with six wins next season with Lamar at quarterback, you know, it's Steve Shadi. You know, he likes to say the pitchforks are going to be out again, and, and they really are. You know, because it's really uh, it's really been a divisive fan base with Lamar Jackson. You know, there's some fans love, and other fans say, you know, it's, it's college it's college offense. It's not going to work in the NFL. So, um, but he showed, you know, he showed he could win. But the problem was, you know, in San Diego. The Chargers, I mean, the San Diego, the Los Angeles Chargers got a second look at them. They shut them down. I mean, that, that was a really dominant game. But again, the offensive line didn't play well that game either. So All right, we're that, that's going to be the issue. We're talking to Todd Karpovich. He writes for us, uh, Press Box, and he uh, also wears the hat of being the Baltimore Orioles beat writer for Press Box. Speaking of roster decisions, have you taken a look at the Orioles' potential roster? And, the, and to me, what is surprisingly some rather difficult cuts that they've got to make over the next 10 days. Yeah, I got to the story for, for Press Box this week on what I thought was a, was a final roster predictions. And, man, the bullpen was just – boy, that was tough. That was so, really tough. so who do you have? you got Givens, Blyer, or Givens, right? Givens, Blyer, Fry, Castro, Scott, Wright. Wait a minute. Uh, Castro, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Givens, <laughs> Blyer, Fry, Castro, who? Scott. 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 Okay. Who pitches today, uh, who will be in Dunedin today. Uh, Mike Wright. You see Wright. him as a bullpen guy. Yeah, I don't see, you know, he's, I think how, he's many, gonna, how many chances do you get him to start? I think you know? he's going to make, I think he's, yeah, he's gonna, had a good spring. He's Pitch. had a very good spring. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, Pedro Rojo, who's, who's a whole five guy, they probably got to keep, you know, on the, on the opening day roster. They the guy we got from the Cubs. <laughs> they got to keep him then, 17 days. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So he, he, I think he's he's one of the spots. And then Collins, who has you know he's had, he has some injuries pop up again, you know, with some soreness. Right. So he's he's not going to be able to take the ball in the rotation. So I think he goes to the bullpen. So like, we talked about this, you know, for the past several weeks. So that's eight guys in the bullpen that you yeah. see. Okay. What about the? So you got eight and then five, uh, four starting pitchers to start. Five. Five. Bundy, think, uh, Cobb, Kashner, Rogers. And Hess. Okay. Well, the other part about it is a couple things. One, Hess's last start was abysmal. Yesterday, he yeah. had nine yeah. runs. Right. And the other part of it is, keep in mind, you don't need that fifth starter uh, probably for a week, week and a half in because of the off days. So that could play a part as to whether or not they take four or five starters north. Yeah, he has him high, you know, uh, he has highest flexibility there. He's going to use it. I think um, – he said he's not opposed to, you know, using the opener. Yeah. You know, over, the, over the first couple of weeks until he figures out, you know, who's going to be, uh, who's going to be that guy. It's going to be interesting. I think one of the interesting things to watch is how and how how patient he is with some of these young guys. You know, I mean, with uh, it's going to be a lot of guys. It could be I don't know if it's going to be a revolving door or how long he stays with guys. So, and that's going to be something to watch. Well, one of the things we talked about, or I talked about last week while Stan was down in Sarasota, was. Uh, the outfield and how that might come together 
because there is quite a bit of outfield depth on this team, and, yeah. and some guys having really good springs. Yeah, Hayes is pretty great. Santana's playing great. Um, Mullins has struggled. Instead, and I talked about this earlier in the week, um, you know, uh, Hayes, Hayes got, had, had an opportunity to play some center field while Mullins struggling. I still think they, they go with Mullins because, because I think they like his upside. But there's been some serious competition there in the outfield. And also, um, you know, you talk about this final roster. Um, Eric Young, where's he fit in? Did he keep him? You know, he's, he's one of the veterans out there. So you've got thirteen. You've got thirteen pitchers coming north. Given that Arroyo only has to stay up seventeen days, so the yeah. cat, the catchers you see is Cisco and Wins. Well, I think Wins. Win, he's he, he, uh, he's battling for soreness too, isn't he? I think yes. they come with Sucre. I think they come with Sucre and um, and Cisco and see with uh, see how Wins is able to bounce back from this injury. But he's not going to rush anybody. Clear with that. All right, so two catchers brings you up to fifteen. Then you got Davis, VR. Bear with me, Martin. That takes yep. you up to eighteen players. Third base is going to be Ruiz and Rio. Uh, I mean yeah, Renato Nunez yeah. and Rio. Yeah, Nunez and Rio. So now you are at uh, eighteen. You're twenty players. Trump Trumbo. Is the DH is twenty one? Outfield, you've got who? I got uh, Mansoon left, Mullins at center, Rickard Hayes and uh, Santana. You know, that's and, too and many. White. That's too many guys. So that's, that's how many. Hold on, Mancini, Mullins, Santander, and Rickard, right? Yeah. And you have no Hayes coming north. No, nah, I think it's all well, between Santana and Hayes for that for one of those spots. Okay, so you've got no Escobar. You've got, and I'll tell you who else you've left. We've left out is Drew Jackson is definitely going to make the team. It's the twenty-five. Yep, he's no question. He's going to make it. You've got some tough decisions in the mix. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you've got some tough decisions. And that's what I meant by the outfield. There, there's a ton of competition standing in that outfield. And I'm not so sure that Tanner Scott is a hundred percent safe to come north with the team. Given well, yeah, there's a lot of guys that are, I mean, that are going yeah, to be yeah. coming down to the last week. All right. Well, it's certainly uh, shaping up as an interesting next seven to ten days for this club. And, of course, one of the things that could rear its ugly head is injury. Say, Trumbo, let's say they say, you know what, we need to start him on the IL. Uh, that could open up a spot. But uh, I, I, I'm, having a hell, I'm having a hell of a time. Getting down to the twenty-five man. That's know, another thing I got to figure out uh, how to remember this year is the the difference between the DL and the IL. Oh, since the to. since the DL is is no longer <laughs> is is no longer with us anymore. You know the good news for both of you guys uh, is if you get it wrong, it's not going to stop one of those checks from coming in. Well, that you know that's true, very true, Todd. You know what? And I'd like to, a couple times that this check might stop coming. And, and, and Carpy, I'd like to. I'd I'd like to personally congratulate you. He, got, he gets more checks than you, I think. Because, you know, you've, you've come to the realization that in our business, you know, the more gigs you have, the better it is. <laughs> exactly. One can fall. Well, geez, you know how it is. One falls through, one pops up. Yeah, there's, that's <laughs> you know? the way it goes. you got to keep It's like a merry-go-round. It just keeps <laughs> going on and on and on. Yeah. It never stops. Um, 
I know you haven't been down to spring training, but you're going to start to cover the club pretty closely when the season yeah, starts. Yeah. What are you are, What are you hearing from the people that you talk to about the camp, about how different it is? They love the energy. They love, they love the positive energy. They love the way the guys are, uh, you know, hustling. I was talking to Jim Palmer um, last week for the um, for the print store. I did a press box. Mm-hmm. He said he, he, really, he really liked the energy down there. And same thing with um, Ben McDonald. He's, been really, he's really excited about this team. And um, these guys, you know, they're going to they're, they're gonna like watching these young guys grow up. Um, so, I mean, but again, guys have to grow up fast. Because, you know, there's a bottom line, wins and losses. You know, you want to – I think the fans are a little excited about the new direction. Yeah, but, I, I um, think so. I think so. Yeah. I think it's going to be a fun team to watch. I know it's going to be a lot of storylines and see who emerges, who takes, you know, who takes um, takes, takes the opportunity when they're playing to, to, to you know, to prove that everyday, everyday major leaguer. It'll be interesting to watch how high handles the bench, you know, and how his in-game, you know, his in-game um, demeanor. I'm and, interested in seeing if the analytics, now that we, you know, Baltimore is colliding with analytics, you know, it's at the intersection of the Baltimore baseball fan and analytics have firmly hit. I want to see if the analytics really can help one of these pitchers that has been sort of so-so, and I'm talking about Hess. I'm talking about Rodgers a little bit, and I'm talking mostly about whether or not Mike Wright, with the stuff he has, maybe the analytics turn him into a polished major league pitcher who really learns how to to get batters out. And Bud be giving up all those home runs. Yeah. You know, that's another thing. Yep. You know, the analytics going to help him settle down a little bit. You know, and of course, all, all eyes are going to be on Chris Davis. He's had, he's had, he's not had a good spring, and um, I guess he's been on a few injuries. But again, you know, this, this, he's going to be the guy in the microscope because of the contract. Because his contract is when it really stands out. That team. Well, we've already, we've already decided that it would make more sense for the club to release him and acquire Ichiro Suzuki once he's released <laughs> by the Mariners. <laughs> Because he had a better year. Than but, you, but, you know, in all, in all seriousness, Todd, what Stan was saying as far as the analytics helping the pitchers, you kind of wonder how much of the analytics can help Chris Davis and if he's receptive to it and trying to turn this thing around. I'm worried. Yeah. I'm worried. Not to, inter- not, a, not, to inter- not to interrupt your answer, but I just did. But I'm, I think he is one guy that may be beyond the analytics. You know, I think yeah. when something is so in your head, uh, until you get it out of your head. Look, I had a bridge phobia for five or six years. I know Chris won't last here for five or six years if he's got a hitting phobia. But, <laughs> it, you know, when it leaves, it's gone. And maybe, you know, something can trigger something that do will. You, do you still have that phobia? No, I do not. No, I was going to say, because I was going to, we, we were going to take a ride. Well, no, we were going to take a ride. We were going to take a ride. I can, not, I can ride as a passenger all day long over a I was going to say, I was going to have him go with me across the Bay Bridge to the eastern shore and then all the way to the, the, the big tip. Bats. The, no, all the way down to the Bay Bridge Tunnel, right. which connects Norfolk, or I'm sorry, uh, Virginia Beach right. to the Lower Eastern Shore, which has which has two tunnels along the way. No, that's tunnels. Well, that, there's that's... there's tunnels and then there's above, but the whole span is like eighteen to nineteen miles. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's you're, you're under a tunnel for nineteen miles. No, 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 no. Most okay. of it is above, above water. The water. Okay. There are two like harbor tunnels. How long are those? Like three miles? Yeah, three miles each. Okay. Something like I that. can two, handle yeah. a three mile thing. 
Yeah. Are they well lit? Huh? Are they well lit? Yeah, yeah but if you're claustrophobic, you know. Drinks in a morgue. That's right. <laughs> well, we're eventually all going to get there anyway. And, and we, all look, we all look out for Stan's best interest. Oh, of course, of course you do. Of course you do. Hey, Todd, we'll look forward to chatting with you um, uh, over the next week or two on the show and uh, throughout the season, all right? Yeah, thanks a lot. All right. All right. Always is Todd Karpovich. I admire that guy. Yeah, he's a hardworking guy, and we we know what it's like to do what he's doing. Yep, yep, and a good friend of uh, Mr. Ginsburg. Yes, indeed. Well, we all are. Yeah, so we're all in his. Well, and because we've been so many places together. <laughs> have you seen any neon lately? No, we have not. No, yeah. no, no, not at the all. The older you get, the less neon you need. Yeah, well. All right. Speak for yourself. Let's. Uh, speaking of neon, one place that doesn't have neon, yes. but, but we love it just like we do neon, is the Costas Inn. Yeah, because there's great food specials throughout the week. Uh, Monday, crab cake night. Tuesday, rib night. Wednesday is steak night. Thursday is lobster night. You can get that either plain or stuffed with the crab imperial, which is out of this world. Uh, live entertainment on Wednesdays and Fridays in particular. Uh, Costas Inn has it all for you. 4100 North Point Boulevard. Ship the crab cakes and the crabs to anywhere in the country. If you have family that grew up here and they're living somewhere else, Call Pete Triantafilos. Or like Casey Tree. Willett. Right. You know, when we sent him that birthday gift. Right, exactly. Right. And he uh, thanked you, didn't yes, he? Yes, he did. Yeah, okay. Didn't thank you, but no. thanked me. Yeah. <laughs> it's only my idea. Yeah. That's all right. It's only my idea. Yeah. Uh, but you can, you can have all of that Casey. at 4100. Ungrateful. Ungrateful. <laughs> Go ahead. 4100 North Point Boulevard. Costas in. One thing I can tell you, though, seriously, yes. he may have been ungrateful to yeah. me yeah. personally, but he did like the crab cakes. Yes, he I did. Know he did. Yes, he did. He ate every single one of them. That's Do right. you think he shared them with his wife? I, I would or hope kids? so. I they were probably so. in the room, and he probably never gave them any. Sitting in front of the TV. Right. Yeah, exactly. They probably gave them none, none of the crab cake. Costas in 4100 North Point Boulevard. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with a 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dine-in orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. Section 336 here with all your Baltimore sports talk. The Raven season is now done, but the Orioles season is just ahead. We have a new GM. We have a new manager. We have a few new baseball players out there. Reason for optimism. I don't know if you can name any of those new players, and I think we won 40-some games last year. Yeah, but I remember a terrible year in 1988 where we were able to turn it around the very next year in 1989. Why not 2019? Yeah, why not? Why not check out Section 336 at section336.com, Facebook, or on Twitter and iTunes as well. Just search for Section 336. 
The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Stan the Fan Charles sits down with new Orioles general manager Mike Elias to discuss the plan for guiding the franchise back to prominence. Plus, Hopkins legend Paul Rabel details his vision for how the PLL can be a game changer for pro lacrosse. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Glory Days Grill-to-Go menu is based on a simple reality. You can't spend your whole life at Glory Days Grill. Your boss wouldn't like it, and neither would your kids or your dog. So come to Glory Days and get your food to go. On your way to soccer practice, or to the office, or to, well, wherever. We know the hardest part of visiting Glory Days Grill is leaving. But at least you take a little piece of us wherever you go. Glory Days Grill. Great food. Good sports. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square is very, very popular, as you've undoubtedly noticed if you've been there recently. Want to skip the lines completely? Download the Chick-fil-A app, and your food will be ready when you get there, but not a minute sooner. Your hot, fresh waffle fries, fresh, never-frozen chicken, and ice-cold drinks will be delivered to you when you get there. They'll bring it out to your car, or you can come in and get it without standing in line. Plus, ordering through the Chick-fil-A app earns you reward points that will add up to free stuff. And the app remembers what you like. So if you like extra pickles, then the app remembers. If you prefer less ice in your drink, the app remembers. Anytime you customize your order, the Chick-fil-A app will file it away and remember for your next visit. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard. If you need help downloading the app, ask the Nottingham Square store owner, Steve. Steve can do anything. Chick-fil-A, get the app, skip the lines. And we are back on the battle round at half. Um, UNBC is trailing Vermont by eight. Is it 30 to 22? I believe that's the score. And they got to do a better job on the offensive glass in the second half. One thing, the great coaches, and I think that Ryan Odom is on his way to being a great coach, their teams do make the necessary adjustments, you know? And I know how much you respect Coach K. Yeah. Uh, His teams do make adjustments as well, Mm -hmm. you know? Unlike yeah, the, the one teams. adjustment they made this time around against North Carolina was so against Zion Williamson. Williamson. Yeah, that was a big adjustment. That's a, that's a pretty good. To, that's to. And they still lucked out and won the game last night. Oh, it was a luck out. Yeah. Okay. How was it a luck out? One point, Jesus. If Don't get me started on Carolina down the stretch. Well, I know you don't respect uh, Roy Williams. No, I like Roy Williams. Yeah. You just don't like Ratface. I don't like Ratface. I don't like that program. All right. You're entitled to your opinion. Yep. All right. Uh, they play Florida State tonight for the ACC championship. They do. All right. All right. Uh, we and, thank- we, and we'll be big uh, uh, Leonard Hamilton fans tonight. You will be. Yes, yes. indeed. And Todd, uh, Kyle will be, mm-hmm. as yeah. will uh, Glenn Clark. Right. And the majority yeah. of the state of Maryland. And the majority of the state of Maryland. Ohio State lost uh, Always, always That's happy always to hear a, that. that. That is always fun. All right, well, that wraps up the battle round for this Saturday. We will be back next Saturday. We thank Kyle Ottenheimer for coming in. Got the sad news, though, that he's going to be here for like six weeks. It's three more after. Three more I than I know of after. Brittany this. Everett, this is totally unacceptable. Anyway. <laughs> You will take her out for breakfast. Yeah, we'll have often. to, yeah. All right. And hi, anyway. Mom, if you're watching. All right. <laughs> Reminder real quick, tomorrow morning, Fantasy and Reality Football Show with Ken Zalis and Kyle Ott. Indeed. We have, will see you then. Have a great rest of your weekend. Glenn Clark Radio commences Monday morning at 10 right here at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio.